Welcome to Wayward's podcast, where real talk about the nitty-gritty of freelance work happens. I'm your host, freelance writer and editor Amanda Lee. Ooh, okay, first episode. This is finally happening. Awesome. <laughs> okay. I know that this one has been a long time coming, and I'm super excited to start sharing all my knowledge and pro tips and hot takes with you, but before getting into any of that, I figured I should spend this first episode just kinda letting you get to know me, I guess. After all, how else will you know what you're getting yourself into? (laughs) Uh, And how are you gonna know if you can trust me, right? So, for this, the inaugural Waywards podcast episode, I'm gonna share with you my backstory you know, who I am, how I got here, where I'm going, all that good stuff. And if you want to share your story with me, awesome. That's super cool. I love hearing people's stories. Feel free to hit me up via social media. The handles are going to be at the end of the podcast and also in the description for your screenshotting pleasure. Please, if you're listening to this while you're driving, don't do not do it now. Don't be safe. Don't screenshot and drive. <laughs> Is that a thing? I think I just made it a thing. <laughs> uh, so hi, I'm Amanda. I'm probably younger than I seem. And I'm currently based in the East Coast, USA, and I'm trying to think of what other information about myself I can give that isn't like a cheesy dating profile. Uh, I graduated with my undergraduate degree at the tender age of 20, which explains a lot of why I'm like this. And I immediately launched myself into the post-grad world, first as a reporter, and then as an editorial assistant turned team builder and content leader for some pretty big digital companies. And then in June 2021, I became a full-time freelance ghostwriter, content writer, and editor. And when I'm not doing that, I am this close. I'm pinching my fingers together. This close to getting my MFA in creative writing. Uh, I'm concentrating on teaching writing, which is super fun and cool. Really love doing that. Love building curriculum. Love teaching people how to write and edit and all that stuff. Love writing fiction. My, my, my side thing, my new side thing, because this was my side thing. But now that I'm not freelancing for my side thing, my new side thing is writing fiction, science fiction, which is cool. Uh, But yeah, that's the short story. That's the TLDR of me. Um, But the long story is also kind of the reason why this podcast exists, and we're going to get into that in a hot second. But let's take it back to the beginning. I'm not going to say how long ago, but it's not that hard to figure out. So, you know, if you do the math on my age, that's fine. Just (laughs) keep it to yourself, maybe. (laughs) I don't really know. I never really much cared about, you know, how people felt about my age because I feel like it's it's kind of a powerful tool. You know, people can be impressed by my age. They can use it as a conversation starter. They can maybe debunk some of the thoughts and theories and feelings that people have about young people in the workplace, running their own hustles, doing their own thing. I never really liked the term hustle for what I'm doing. Fatigue-inducing seems more accurate, but you know what I mean. Like, you're young, so what? You know, make good choices, be smart with your money, take care of yourself, and don't forget where you came from. That's my attitude. But anyway, let's take it back a few years to when I got into college at the tender age of 18. Now, I was a homeschool kid up until I was 16, and then I went part-time to college, community college, and part-time to high school at home with my mom, who was an accredited instructor and did a great job. I mean, I think I turned out okay. Uh, So... I entered in college, I had two years worth of credits under my belt, I was raring to go, I was so excited to get this journalism degree and do the thing that I had dreamed about for most of my life. But when I entered college, I did so basically on my own dime. I lived at home, so like my rent and utilities were paid for, but I funded pretty much anything else. My car, gas, food, clothes, 
unpaid internships. Yep, we're going to talk about that in a second. Don't you worry. Um, but anything else I wanted to do or I wanted to buy or that I owned, I had to pay for. Uh, plus, I took out student loans to fund said education. So like, you know how that goes. Like, that's that's really fun to have to have that like sort of Damocles hanging over your head when you're 18. <laughs> Uh, so I went into school, right? And I'm like super excited to pursue journalism. I jump headfirst into the student newspaper. I get really connected really fast as much as like a commuter student can be. Um, if there's anyone listening to this who's from the greater Philadelphia, Pennsylvania area, I went to school at Temple University. Woohoo. I'm actually, as I'm recording this, wearing my Klein uh, School of Media and Communications sweatshirt. Super cool. I love Temple. Great environment. Super urban. A lot of really great opportunities to learn. But my calendar during this time in my life was absolutely packed. As a journalism major, and as a journalism major who only had two years to amass enough clips, that's the industry word for samples of written work. I know some people call them writing samples or your portfolio, but I, you know, kind of came up hearing them called clips, and I can't quite break myself of that habit, even though, like, hardly anyone in my current industry now knows what that's referring to. It's really bad. So if you hear me say clips throughout this episode, that's what I'm talking about. So I wanted to amass all these clips, right? So I started student journalism almost immediately. I, during my first semester, got super connected in the student newspaper, Hello Temple News, uh, first as a research beat reporter, then as a student government beat reporter. I was filing stories every single week. I was attending all these meetings, holding all these interviews, and I think I did pretty okay. And then by my second semester of my first year, like in college full time, I was interning. And yeah, these were unpaid internships. I actually interned every single semester I was in school, except for the very first one. Did I need to do that? No. I only had to do one internship to get college credit to, like, graduate, but I just did it mostly because I was so afraid of, like, not getting a job when I graduated college that I thought that stacking my resume to the gills with all of these, you know, relevant internships and experiences would be worth it. And in the process, I did some crazy things. Like I got on a train to New York City three times a week, day and the night to intern for Observer Media. Super great experience. Highly enjoyed it. Really had fun in New York, but that was so much money. Like I'm putting my head in my hands right now. That was so much money that I blew on this. Like wowza. But I digress. Okay. A quick aside, we'll talk about the internship thing. We will on a future episode because I have a lot of thoughts on the topic, but by and large, my top, my thought on the topic is unpaid internships are exploitive. You shouldn't do it. Pay your interns. I can't like, well, I can't stress that enough. It was so like looking back, you know, in the moment I was like, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to pay my dues and do all this stuff. But like now as like an adult, like a real adult, not a college kid, I'm like looking at this and going, huh, yeah, wow, a lot of people took advantage of my labor. Yikes. And it's like a really sucky thing to confront. But anyway, so my calendar was so full during all this stuff, student newspaper duties, my part-time job, because I always had a part-time job because my internships weren't paid and I needed money from somewhere. And I had to balance that with my internship and my homework and like my schoolwork because like, you know, courses and stuff, I had to like attend them uh, that I had to balance with family. I don't even remember what I did for friends in a social life, probably on the internet, like I had been since I was like a little kid on Tumblr. So like you get my drift. I didn't have a lot of time and didn't have a lot of money and I didn't have a lot of energy. Because we'll talk about this in a minute, too. I'm chronically ill. Uh, and one of my biggest symptoms is chronic fatigue. I don't have a lot of energy. I do not have a lot of any resources, basically. When I was in college, I still don't have a lot of those resources. Uh, so after a semester on the student paper, I took those clips and I did two things. I applied for internships, got one, unpaid. 
and I made a Fiverr account. Now, I have plenty of beef with Fiverr now, but at the time I didn't know anything about what my skills were worth. I just knew that I could make an easy like 40 bucks here and there writing 800 word articles for marketers and beauty brands, which side note, 40 bucks for 800 words is criminally low. Even as a college kid, my work plus my experience and skills were worth way more than that. But like that was the way that you survived on Fiverr, you know, is you priced your, your stuff really low so you could get people to pay for your work. So that worked out okay for me when I was, you know, a kid. I got some spending money, sure. I got to, you know, work with some pretty decent brands. I got my, my clips placed in, you know, like Business Insider and stuff like that. And I got something more valuable out of all that. Diverse work samples that appealed to marketers, PR agencies, brands in ways that clips from student newspaper wouldn't. Because at the same time, I was learning that there was a huge difference between the worlds of journalism and its siblings on paper, PR, marketing, all that stuff. And I was kind of figuring, huh, I could do this double dipping thing for a while. You know, I could do journalism as my full-time gig and then I could pay the bills on the side with, you know, this freelance work, right? So I did this work remotely, which was a big help to me uh, until I graduated from college. I was able to, you know, balance those assignments with all my other work because I could do them at three o'clock in the morning and no one would know. It was great. I could make some money whenever I needed to, within reason, obviously. But after I graduated from college, I went into full-time journalism at a, at a newspaper in Mississippi and I loved it. It was the most fun I'd had in a really, really long time. Like seriously, ask me about the time I drove my Pontiac vibe during an active tornado. My mother hates that story, but I think it's really funny. Um, but my body was a different story. You might have heard a few minutes ago I stuttered, and a few minutes before that I messed up my words. That is also a symptom of my myriad of chronic illnesses. There's no one, like, diagnosis for them. You know, I can't just say I have this or I have that or I have the other. Unfortunately, I don't have, like, a diagnostic name. I just have a series of symptoms that mess with my life on the regular, and I just have to live with them which really sucks a lot of the time, but I live with it. But the point is, is that um, the fact that I had this going on made it really hard for me to do my job. I'm not sure how much you know about journalism as an industry, as a, as a thing, but one of the hallmark tenets of being a journalist is late nights, early mornings, and not a lot of time for personal life, especially when you're a new reporter. You have to be pretty much on call all the time, ready to drop what you're doing and cover a story or call this guy or that person about something. And while I really enjoyed that because I cared very deeply about the community I was reporting on, it was very taxing for my body and my mind because one of the hallmark symptoms of what's up with me is my adrenal glands, the things that produce adrenaline, are uh, failing. I do not have a lot of adrenaline, which is ironic because I'm kind of an adrenaline junkie. Um, and I also... My body can't function with stress, any kind of stress. It just does not straight up do well at all. I also have aphasia, which is what happens when you mix up your words or muddle them or your brain goes faster than your mouth and you end up spitting out the wrong thing. And while I know that a lot of people might edit those verbal typos out of a podcast, I'm choosing not to because I can't say that I've ever encountered in an environment like this someone who also has aphasia and I kind of want to start setting the standard that, yeah, we exist and we're still allowed to talk in ways that aren't necessarily edited. So um, hopefully it doesn't disrupt your experience too much, but I hope you can understand why I want to keep it in there. But anyway, my body couldn't handle the physical and mental abuse that I was putting it through in journalism. And remember, I was 20. I was very young. I couldn't even drink. Like, I was a baby. Just infant, tiny person. 
I was so stressed and strained. I was burning out so freaking fast. I often make jokes about how I failed out of my own industry, which is sort of true. Except for the fact that, like, my chronic illness obviously doesn't define me to that extent. I just mostly think it's a funny thing to say. And also because, like, let's normalize talking about failure, right? Like, come on now. Let's let's talk about that more often. But anyway, um, I was still freelancing on the side up until I was laid off from that job about nine months after I started it. You know, downsizing, you know how newspapers are. Um, but I was freelancing mostly because journalism didn't pay the bills, I'm sure you can imagine. I was making about 30000 a year. And even living in, like, Mississippi, which isn't exactly, like, a super expensive area to live in, I was barely making it because student loan payments. You know? Those things. Yay. Anyway, I needed the extra cash, especially when I was going to move back home because moving is expensive as hell, man. Uh, So I stepped back from journalism and moved into editorial roles and worked in media as an editor and a strategist for about two years until the spring of 2021. And over that time, I was still freelancing, but it wasn't as intensely. I also joined Upwork somewhere around that time. Uh, there, that's that's another popular freelance program or platform if you're not familiar. Um, but I leveraged the clips that I got off of Upwork to get clients for ghostwritten eBooks, several of which became bestsellers on Amazon, and more long-term PR work. And once I had the time to devote to that because I was working like straight nine to five editorial roles that didn't require me to be on call all hours of the day, I really started to think seriously about making freelancing less of a side gig and more of a part-time thing. I liked having the extra money. I was pretty much able to throw all of it at my student loans, which was really comforting for me. Uh, And I also just liked that work a little bit better. I liked the schedule flexibility. I liked being able to kind of do things at my own pace as long as they were in by the deadline. And it was just, there was a lot to love about that process, most notably. And I feel like this is something that people don't talk about a lot. I, like I said earlier, I moved back home. I lived with my parents and my mom is sick like me, but worse. And being able to have the time and bandwidth to show up for her was something that was very appealing to me. However, because of, and please imagine the sparkle emojis around these two words, childhood trauma, I was and still am very attached to the concept of financial security. I hoard money. You guys don't even know. I hoard it in like a way that is probably not super great. But I do that because of these, you know, childhood traumas that we won't go into probably ever because it's a lot to share on the internet. But the point is that I never really thought about breaking from the nine to five, even though I knew it would be better for the social and lifestyle elements of my life, because I also knew that that would mean foregoing that steady paycheck from someone else. And I wasn't really willing to let that go. But the spring of 2021 brought some other plans. Right after my birthday, I was laid off again. But instead of crushing me like it did when I was, you know, newly 21 and leaving journalism, it was almost a welcome step back. It was almost like a weird relief. Not so much because I had to, like, change the date of my employment on my LinkedIn. That kind of sucked. But... I was actively editing a full-length novel at the time. I'm now querying it, but I, like, you know, at the time was prepping it to be queried. I was finishing my master's degree, and I had a robust roster of freelance clients that, while they weren't bringing me the same amount that I was making at that full-time job, it was enough to get me by until I could find another full-time job. And then... My mom and my dad at the same time, but totally separately, which was weirdly in sync and kind of creepy, but I guess it's what you get when you've been married for 27 years. Uh, They both came to me and had this thought of, hey, could you use this free time that instead of you're using, instead of applying to jobs, could you use that free time to get clients? And I was like, well, that's a concept. 
I don't know. I mean, I could in theory. Anything's possible. But like, do you want me to? Because at the time I was still living with them. And I'm like, y'all do realize that, you know, my financial decisions affect you. If you ever want me out of your house, like, <laughs> you know, you gotta, <laughs> you gotta think about this. And, and they both were like, no, no, no. I think you should try to like make this freelancing thing work for you. Because at the time I was doing the math and I was making about two thirds of what I would need to make to, you know, sustain the quality of life that I was accustomed to. And like, mind you, I don't live an extravagant life. I think my biggest expense outside of my student loans are my doctor's visits because those are all out of pocket because healthcare in America. But like, I don't, you know, spend dollars on dollars on things that don't matter. You know, I don't, you know, I'm not extravagant. I, I live a very low-key, chill life. Um, I don't spend a lot of money because, you know, financial insecurity. But anyway, after they both said that to me at the same time, but like separately, that kind of got me thinking. So I started asking around researching. I talked to a couple of my current clients and I was like, hey, um, would you be able to refer me to anyone else who you know is looking? I'm kind of trying to make this my full-time thing. And some of them actually said yes and connected me with great clients that I still work with today. And I also did the dreaded cold pitching. Ooh. Um, but that worked out really well for me as well. And thanks to those two things, I was able to take the freelance thing full-time in the summer of 2021. And with that, my side hustle became my main hustle. Now here's the thing, I know this story sounds interesting and like a bunch of strokes of luck at just the right time just kind of happened to me. And like, make no mistake, that was definitely part of it, but there's a lot that happened behind the scenes that I don't even know how to start unpacking. In fact, thanks to aforementioned childhood trauma, financial instability and the mindset that that prompted uh, kind of was the main driver behind my decisions to do or to not do at the certain times that I was in. And it, it took me a long time to regulate my nervous system around the concept of not getting a regular check from someone else. Although thankfully, some of my clients are on retainer, which does actually help with that. But that kind of ties into the main reason why I wanted to put this podcast as well as my blog, newsletter and LinkedIn presence together and like out in the world. And if you're interested in the blog or the newsletter, don't worry, the links will all be in the description and at the end of the podcast. But when I was searching for resources back in the summer of 2021 about whether or not it was time for me to go full-time freelance, whether or not I could hack it, I could handle it, there were financial resources that I could harness, if there was mentorship available to me, if this was even the kind of climate that could sustain such a thing, I couldn't find a lot of info out there with actual, useful, actionable info. Most of what I found through all my Googling was fluff, Content written by Freefluencers, which is my name for those freelancers who seem to make it their life's goal to promote the magic of being a social media manager or copywriter, like all over TikTok or Instagram, who want to sell that lifestyle without the reality, or the information was geared toward people in more technical roles, people who were, you know, stepping into freelance IT or freelance graphic design or freelance UX design, all of which are fantastic industries, but not industries that have many applicable resources or lines of advice or commentary that would kind of match up with my industry of editorial content, PR, marketing, journalism, all that stuff. So because I'm me, I was kind of like, well, uh, I'm going to fix the problem myself somehow. I'm going to just do it myself. You know, the whole thing of like, if, if you want something done right, you have to do it yourself. Except sometimes it's like, if you want something done at all, you have to do it yourself. <laughs> I tend to be really real, if you haven't noticed. And I think that that's what the world needs now more than ever. I think now more than ever, we need honest, legit, real conversations about who we are, 
what it took to become who we are, and how other people can get to our point, or if they even should. And that's where this podcast was born, because a lot of times people don't have the ability to sit down and read a bunch of blog posts, but they can tune into a podcast on their commute, which if you're doing that uh, right now, drive safe, please. I hope you're having an okay day. <laughs> um, but anyway, if you have burning questions, thoughts about your work as a freelancer, or just need some commiseration once a week, this is the podcast for you. This is legit why I'm here. And in, in that vein, you know, uh, in future episodes, we're going to talk tax season. I know, right? Yay. So exciting. Uh, we're going to talk niching down into what you do best and how you can make that into some sort of freelance thing and how to tell when it's time to take freelancing full time, because I'm going to let you in on a secret. If you didn't notice, it took me five years to build up the cachet, the skills, the experience, the clips to get to this point. And despite what all the free fluencers out there might say, it's not a quick snap decision you can make. Building an audience, building people to work with you, building a roster of clients takes time, a lot of time and a lot of energy. And you have to know if it's worth it. And it's not for everyone and that's okay. I am definitely 110 million percent not here to shame anyone who works a nine to five or who works part time and stays home with the kids or whatever. Like that's your life. That's your path. You have to do what makes you happy in the words of Animal Crossing New Horizons Leaf. Sorry, I play a lot of Animal Crossing. I couldn't resist. But my point is, I'm not here to shame. I'm not here to judge. You're not going to get any of that here. That's ridiculous. I don't play those games. But what you are going to get here is a lot of real thoughts, sourcing, commentary from yours truly about what it's like to be in this role, what it's like to live in this world. And hopefully you'll take away some tips, inspiration, tools that you can use to motivate and guide your own search for the work, the life, the work-life balance <laughs> that works the best for you. That's the goal. So if you want to get access to some of this info from, you know, stuff about taxes and niches to taking freelancing full-time and my occasional rants on how much I don't like freefluencers, feel free to subscribe to my monthly newsletter. The link is in the description and it will also be linked on amandajlean.com slash waywordspodcast. That's Amanda J L I E N dot com backslash waywords podcast, all one word. And if you want something covered in an upcoming episode, there's also on that very same webpage a suggestion box. Please make good use of it. Don't send me like creepy stuff, please, but like make use of it. You got requests? I want to hear them. I wish this was a radio show where you could call in, but we can't do that because this is a podcast. So suggestion box open to you. Please go crazy. Use it as often as you'd like. I want to make sure that I'm providing content that matters to you. I want to make sure that I'm providing value. And I can't do that if you're not talking back to me. So talk back to me. And if you prefer social media, you're in luck. You can hit me up on Instagram at waywordspodcast, all one word. You can hit me up on Twitter at alienrights. Yes, alien, A-L-I-E-N, because my first initial last name, alien. Yeah, anyway, alien rights. You can also email me at hello at amandajaylene.com. Whether you're interested in working together, need some consulting done, or just want to say, hey, that email is open to you, go crazy. It's all the same to me. Talk to me however you want, and I'll happily talk back. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for listening to my story. I hope that there was something in there that, you know, kind of helped you, whether it was to inspire you, to engage you, and or to kind of get you thinking about your next steps. But before I say farewell, because this was a short episode, and because no introduction is complete without some fun facts and tidbits, I figured I'd share a few of those with you as well.
So I've talked a lot about my work life, right? I've talked a lot about what I do as a freelancer. I work with marketers, PR agencies, small brands, women-owned and queer-owned businesses. uh, And I do all of this uh, by writing content, thought leadership articles, LinkedIn posts, social media, you know how that goes. Uh, My skills are very wide and varied, and my work is equally as so, and that's a lot of fun for me. But when I'm not doing that, I'm still sitting in front of a computer. (laughs) Oh, geez, I wish that I had more active hobbies. uh, But in my defense, I did accidentally do something to my hip a while ago. I have to probably have a surgery for that. Another one. I already had one. But, you know, it's fine. It's fine. We don't talk about that. But anyway. When I'm not working at my desk, I'm usually also at my desk. I'm finishing up, as of this recording, I'm finishing up my master's degree in creative writing from National University. And my thesis is actually a full-length novel. Now, at the time of this recording, I'm also actively querying another novel. So I have two novels, which is a lot of words, because it's adult science fiction, and adult science fiction genre convention is about 100,000 words, which is a lot of words, like so many words. Oh my goodness. So that's something that I do for fun. I'm also a huge media person. I love books and TV. I'm not as big of a movie gal as I used to be, I will admit. I kind of lost my attention span for those stories when I was, like, in high school. Uh, But in case you're wondering about my favorites, uh, right now, and this changes all the time, but right now, my favorite TV show is Netflix's Shadow and Bone because it's an adaptation of a book series that I absolutely adored when it first came out as a young reader. My favorite movie uh, is Mad Max Fury Road followed closely by Pacific Rim, which honestly tells you everything you need to know about me as a person. And I have way too many favorite books to choose from, uh, because of course I do. But I think if I had to pick, my top three favorites are Tamsin Muir's Hair of the Ninth, Seth Dickinson's Traitor Baru Cormorant, and This Is How You Lose the Time War, which was co-written by Max Gladstone and Amal El-Motar. Hopefully I'm pronouncing her last name right. I'm, as you probably figured, a pretty big speculative fiction fan. I also, on the side, write a column called Ill Lit for Luna Station Quarterly, which is a speculative fiction magazine, and that column deals a lot with the intersection of speculative fiction and chronic illness representation, because we need more of that in the world, and I'm going to talk about it. (laughs) And when I'm not doing any of that, um, you can find me hanging out with my family. I'm very close with my mom, and I have a younger sister who works in interior design. She lives out west, and we hang out a lot, all the time, uh, on FaceTime. We play Mario Kart together and Animal Crossing. That's another thing that you can often find me doing. I have a pretty thriving island on Animal Crossing New Horizons. I gotta say, my villagers are happy. I have a lot of apple trees. Like, I don't really know what else you could want on an Animal Crossing island. Like, I really don't. That's the truth. Like, I'm not a good Animal Crossing player. Like, I don't have an elaborate island, although one of my friends has a maze. I should try to build a maze. But anyway, I keep digressing. My family is very important to me. I spend a lot of time with my mom. I spend a lot of time with my sister. I spend a lot of time, uh, you know, shenaniganizing around with them. Uh, as of this recording, I just moved into my own place and I have a cat. She is a Balinese shorthair. Her name is Baru, after Seth Dickinson's Baru Cormorant, because she's very curious and kind of sneaky. Uh, and I love her very much. And so far, we've been getting along just fine. I just adopted her at the beginning of the month. And it's been really cool to share my life with just a little girl, just a little dude living in my house, eating, trying to eat my food. I give her lots of treats, so many treats. I spoil this cat. (laughs) So I think that's about it for now, actually. I'm going to keep it short and simple and sweet for this first episode. In the future episodes, y'all are going to be strapped in with me for like 45 minutes. We're going to talk about taxes. Woohoo! No, I'm, I'm, 
I've, I feel like tax is one of those things we have to talk about at least once because that was one of my biggest fears when I was going to freelancing is how am I going to do taxes? But it's not scary, I promise. And even if it was like, we'll figure it out together. It'll be fine. But all that said, thank you so much for being here. Please take full advantage of the socials that are linked in the description of this podcast, the socials that uh, are available to you on my website. I want to hear from you. I'm here for you. We're going to figure this thing out together. And I always, always, always want to support my fellow freelancers, aspiring freelancers, women and queer folks. I'm here for you. Thank you so much for being here. It was super, super great to meet you. I'm shaking your hand at a distance. And I will see you next week on Wayward's Podcast.